I'm Monty. This is the Marriage Bites Podcast. We get real about the joys and challenges of marriage through bites of wisdom we have learned over the years. Our aim is to share this wisdom with you so your marriage won't bite. So here we have with us Tyson Bradley from the Inherent Identity Podcast. Yeah. I know. And it's so great to be here. And you know what? It's it's kind of funny because I've done interviews myself with other people on my podcast. And, you know, it's weird because sometimes we press record and then it's almost like, do we change? Like, oh. right? Do, do we try and change who we are uh, versus just, you know, can we just be real versus trying to put on a put on a show, right? Because this yeah, is a show. This this is a podcast. Now people are watching. And now people are watching. Now it's recorded. Yeah. Now it's going to go out to the world. And so, you know, for me, just stepping into this and being aware of that, um, I think it's it's powerful for us to like be vulnerable and say, yeah, we have you know sometimes we have no idea what we're doing, guys. We're just like sharing things <laughs> with the world <laughs> that we think are going to be helpful. And for me, being being on your podcast, it's it's fun. It's an honor. It's something that the more that we can just share certain messages, the better lives become. So I'm mm-hmm. glad to be here. Yeah, we're so happy to have you. <laughs> and so I don't know if um, I guess if people want to know uh, about me, I'm just I'm just this I'm a lot of things. I describe myself as a lot of things. I am an author. I am a coach. I am a father. I've got two little girls. They're both redheads. And I've got a little boy on the way. Congratulations. Theaters near you. December 17th is the due date. Oh boy. We'll see when it, if it's, if that's the real due date, you know? Yeah. But (laughs) yeah. But uh, yeah, we're, we're super excited and that's kind of where I am and, and, and things. And, but I think that us talking about identity is super powerful, especially in regards to relationships and, and what you guys talk about. So I'm happy to dive in, ready to dive in. Yeah. Will you explain a little bit what you mean by inherent identity? Yeah. So I think um, even within the the words themselves, like the definition, what does inherent really mean? Well, it means it's something that's already within you. It's not something that you create. It's not something that is outside of you. It's within and it's innate. It is, has always existed. And so if we have, if our spirits have always existed, then what are the characteristics of this spirit? And to me, it's like, I just believe, okay, if the Bible says I'm made in the likeness and image of God, then I am inherently godly, godlike. His attributes, his characteristics, everything that I think about and read about and know about him, those characteristics are within me. And and then when it comes to identity, everything that we that we do, there is a being before the doing. So a lot of people get stuck in random created identities. A good example of this is procrastination. Like that, that was, this is a word that was made up guys, procrastination. And it is to explain an activity where we delay doing something that we know we need to do. 
And then on top of that, what we did is that when people do that enough times, they now describe themselves as a procrastinator, right? Mm -hmm. Now it becomes an identity. Like this is who I am. I'm a procrastinator. I am a early riser. I'm an early bird. I'm a night owl. I am tired. Even just any statement that comes after I am is something that you will end up creating in your life. Mm -hmm. And so when I take inherent and then I pair it with identity, what it means is like all those things that my brain thinks I am, all those things that I want to attach to the different actions, those are not even real. What's real is that I am love. I am enough. I am faithful. I am trusting. All the things that I ascribe to God, those characteristics, all those words and values and things like that's more true of who I am than any other thing out there. And so that would probably be a quick little insight into what does it mean to have an inherent identity? That's that's a little bit what it means. Yeah, I love that. It, that's such a powerful thing. You know, the world it influences you to change that identity or to believe that you have a different identity uh, and it can really mess you up. But if we can stay grounded with our true identity, boy, there's power in that. You know, as you talked about that, I can feel the power of it. Yeah. Well, and that's, that is such a good thing to notice is that when you hear things and this is, this goes for anybody listening to any podcast. Cause the moment that you have a podcast is the moment that people start to think they know what they're talking about. Like they're the experts. <laughs> and in a large part, there are plenty of people that they are developing an expertise. Like they are experts in certain ways mm-hmm. and they're brave enough to share. You guys are brave enough to share more about your life and your experience and the things that you have found to actually help people. So yeah, you are an expert, but sometimes what we do is we just listen to experts say things confidently, and then we just take it on as truth. So true. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't even question it. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many doctors might say there are examples where they'll say, okay, this is a terminal cancer. Mm-hmm. And yet when the people don't believe that, And then they seek out these other alternatives and all of a sudden they're healed from a terminal cancer. Or for me personally, I remember, I remember when I was like, I was working for this company called the life coach school. And I was, I I just had this idea uh, that I wanted to start weaning off and start my own business. So I had always wanted to start my own business. And one of my colleagues that was also working there, she was kind of weaning off. She was taking less hours and then starting to work on her business. And so that's kind of what I want to do too. I was advised by a mentor that said, hey, like you shouldn't do that. I don't think you're ready. Uh, Cause like, she's like, do you have a email list? Do you have like everything built up? Can you, can you wean off? And is, and so she had a best interest. Like she had my interest in her mind, this idea of like, I want you to be successful, but I might also want to keep you on to the, in this company. And I might also, you know, who knows what other reasons Regardless, I followed what she said Hmm. and I stayed on, Hmm. but then my heart wasn't in it. And there was this conflict. And what's so fascinating is that through a series of events, I ended up quitting at the time that I would have just be weaned off. If you know what I mean, that it would have just like naturally transitioned. Uh, And there are so many other areas of life where uh, we're taught from a young age or whatever. It's like, go to school, go to college. Um, uh, get married, buy a house, get a job, and then retire. That's the way of life, guys. 
That's what it means to be successful. That's what it means to have a normal life. Mm -hmm. And so it's been interesting because I've been talking lately about this idea of just like the neural normal. And what it means to be neural normalized is, is to be someone who has, who has received the teachings of the world and has just taken them as fact versus recognizing that there's alternative ways. So I love that. Yeah. Something that I've been thinking about lately is the identities that people offer to us Mm. and how that impacts, like as a child, your parent might offer you an identity of you're so smart or you're so good at that, or you're lazy, or you are this, like parents might offer us identities. And also our spouses might offer us identities. And sometimes we take those like, I have to be this person now, because my mom or my husband or somebody thinks that this is who I am. And now that's kind of how I have to be. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like that was my experience. I was told, you know, grow up, you'll be a mother, you'll do this and you'll get Mm. married and you'll do all these things, just like you were saying. And that was the identity that I took upon myself. And some of those I really like. I I love that I'm a mother. I love to say I am a mother. And um, along with that, this idea that I have to be a good mother, though, Mm -hmm. what it means to be a good mother, what other people's definitions of that is, how much of that handed to me definition am I taking on as what it means to be a good mother. And once I was able to let go of some of those things that no longer served me, as far as like a good mom keeps her house clean all the time, or a good mom never yells, or a good mom is this way. Once I defined for myself what a good mom was, and then I could measure myself on my own definition it changed everything for me. Suddenly I was like, oh, I can just be the person that I am. I can be the kind of mom that I want to be. And I don't have to do all the things that everybody else is telling me that I have to do in order to be a quote unquote good mom. Yeah. And it applies to being a good wife Mm -hmm. or being a good, good husband. It's the same thing. We associate good uh, a lot of times with successful. And then uh, we associate successful with certain people that have a lot of money or whatever. And it's like anybody that has the relationship that we think that we want, if they say something, right? And this goes back to just like authority figures, it's like, okay, they say that the best way, or this author who's done all this research says the best way to have this marriage or to have to be a good mom is you need to have a clean house. Mm-hmm. Or it's not even experts. It's just everybody is posting about the same thing. And just hearing it twice, there's studies that are done just by hearing something twice from two different sources, like believability of it being true goes up like exponentially It's like so much higher. So we can hear it from one person and be like, ah, yeah, maybe not. But we hear the same thing from another person where it's like, oh man, that might be true. Mm -hmm. I heard it twice, even though it could be totally false. And, and, and this is why a lot of the work that I do and, and, and help people to understand is, it's like, how do we connect with what's in your heart and what is you versus what the world teaches versus what everybody else says is the right way or the good way mm-hmm. and what it means. So it's, uh, I think in that part, that's where the awareness first step comes in is like, okay, guys, don't just notice, um, what, you think it means to be a good spouse or a good parent, but also notice 
like what you are thinking about your spouse and your kids mm-hmm. and what you think it means for them to be good. Yes. Like notice what identities you're handing to those people. Right. Right. Awesome. You know, like I might have this kind of a condition statement in my head, which says, you know, if my wife were to not complain, then she would be a good wife or a better wife. Mm-hmm. And unconsciously, I am doing things through my actions to be able to communicate that instead of accepting who she is right now and recognizing that who she is showing up as today is oftentimes not the real her. It's it's not the inherent version of her. And can I have compassion for someone who is human? Much like I am human so many times. And would I want someone to have compassion when I'm in my human and in my head versus in my heart and operating from a place that is more connected to the truth? Because I don't think people inherently are designed to complain. Hmm. We are not inherently designed to be in fear. God is not fear. Right. He says, fear not, like a lot. A lot. And what's more true is like, he is peace. He is rest. He is love. And so when we are not those things, what's happening is we're just operating from our head and more so the brain and what we've learned. And it's not a problem. It's just that we've forgotten who we really are. Mm-hmm. We just forgot. And, and, and so I think we can have some compassion with ourselves when we forget. And we can also just draw back on the Lion King when Simba's talking to his dead father in the sky and Mufasa, the father says, what? He says, remember who you are. Mm-hmm. And there's a line before he says that. That's actually like even more powerful. He says, he asks him, he's like, you have forgotten me. And Simba's like, no, how could I? And then Mufasa says, you have forgotten me. And so have forgotten you. It's like, you've forgotten. I think it's flipped. Actually, he's like, you've forgotten who you are. And so have forgotten me. That's it. I think that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. And when we forget who we are, we forget who he is, who our heavenly parents are. So. Yeah. Well, what about when we forget who our spouse is? Like when our spouse is complaining or yelling or something, and we sort of sometimes forget this is not who they are. How do you manage that? Well, it's funny because like, I'm just thinking about this now, like in this moment, I'm just like, huh, wait. For me to complain about her complaining is me forgetting who I am in this moment. Because if I remember who I really am, her complaining is, it doesn't bother me because I am love and love doesn't judge another person. Love embraces and accepts and love also can reprimand. Love also can speak sternly to someone. It's not that we just lay back and let everything happen to us. It's like love can also be very strong. God has done this plenty of times. Mm-hmm. You know, Christ told Peter, he's just like, get the hand, Satan. When Peter was just like, oh, don't do that. Like, don't kill yourself. Don't die. It's like, no, this is my purpose. How dare you say that? Mm-hmm. And so, so love can be strong. And this kind of, to me, to be in my inherent identity is to be in connection with those truths of who I really am as often as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. And as, as I do that, I'm going to naturally build more connection with my, with my wife and my kids. So are so, you saying that living in your inherent identity 
helps you to feel more unconditional love. Yeah. I mean, that's who God is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's, if that's who he is and within our spiritual DNA, we are made of his stuff born of heavenly parents, then yeah, inherently I am unconditionally loving and I just keep forgetting it. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you said that you have to live in it as much as you can. And I think, I mean, that's, that's big crux of life here on earth is that we, we stray all the time and do it down different paths, but trying to stay on that true path or tr- be truly who we are, it takes a lot of work sometimes, but it's something that we need to be intentional about and perhaps keep, keep in the forefront of our mind is yeah remembering who we are and who our spouse is and who our children are. And I think that helps us stay closer to that true identity or inherent identity. Yeah. You know, um, and we were talking a little bit before this, but Monty, you were saying it's like, okay, hey, you identified as a police officer for the longest time. And that was sometimes detrimental because what it caused you to do was to work 24 seven, like, because I am a police officer, I do what police officers do. And the best police officers, what they do is they dedicate their entire lives to that thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's not your version of being a police officer. That's not who you really are in that thing. Maybe there's a different version of being a police officer, or maybe there's a different version of being a mother. It's not about being a good mom. It's about being my kind of mother. It's like being, the, the Andalin mom. What What is the Andalin mom? Like, yeah, that's, being the mom that you are rather than the mom that everybody else thinks that you should be. Right. And this is why I created this whole framework that includes this idea of how do we keep reminding ourselves of of the truth of who we really are, because, you know, in, in the version of the Lion King, it's like, he says, remember who you are at least six or seven times. It just is this echo. Remember, remember, it's like the most important thing that we could do. Cause the moment we forget is the moment that we're frustrated with life and wanting everyone to be different. And we're in our humanness and, and it's not as fun. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So I want to go watch the lion king now <laughs> you really should like it, it is an identity movie i encourage everybody to go watch it watch it with your kids or whatever just like notice the transformation of simba and what happens to him when he is reminded of the truth of who he really is yeah you know this is a little off topic but speaking of the lion yeah. king i remember when it came out i was a teenager and i remember thinking disney's already made their classics how could they make another good cartoon? And then it came out and it blew my mind, even as a teenager, because there were so many great messages in there. Uh, kind of need to go watch it now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I like what you say about remembering. It makes me think of in the scriptures, God mm-hmm. tells us to remember an awful lot. I think if you read through the scriptures and look for that, that word, remember, you find it everywhere. And that we are to remember past spiritual experiences, remember people who maybe have strayed, remember people who have done what's right, lived their true identity, um, remembering. When Christ was with his disciples before he performed the atonement, he instituted a sacrament and he said, drink this wine in remembrance of me, eat this bread in remembrance of me. Because if that can become your daily, weekly practice of remembering. If you remember me, that's huge. That's going to change everything. Yeah. I love it. Me too. Now, do you guys want to go through the framework? I think that would be helpful. Yeah, let's do that. 
Because I think that, um, and this is a framework that uh, people can start to maybe uncover, like maybe start to think about, ah, man, who am I really? Like, who am I? Such a big question. And if we stay with it, it's like we go through the process of just entertaining that one question, like, who am I? Because in part, I think that as a step, this is the shortcut step, everybody. (laughs) Ask God, who am I? Go beyond that you're a son or daughter or child of God. Okay, everybody's that. But God has a unique identity, label, name for you. Who are you? For me, when I asked, I was like, well, who am I to you? Like, who am I in this world? What is my what is my purpose? What is like, what is my name? What is my title? What is my identity? And and what came was you are my like spiritual light bringer, my spiritual light restorer. It's just like, oh yeah. It's like and you can feel it. And that's what you're looking for is I'm going to just going to just write down the first thing that comes to your mind when you ask that question. Sit with it. Like so often we 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 say prayers all the time but we don't even sit with questions rarely. Yeah, that's so We true. rarely give God the time. We don't give him any time to say anything back to us. And so to actually give him some space to respond, listen with our heart, be able to feel it out and be able to say, "Huh." It's like this is what I'm receiving. It's like, this is, this is my name. This is my title. It's like, okay, what if you just started telling yourself who you really are to him versus what the world would say about you, what your parents would say about you, what your spouse would say about you, what your kids would say about you, whatever. And the moment you keep doing that, man, even that alone could, could start changing your world more than anything else. So the framework is, uh, it, it follows the acronym of I am me. The I stands for ideal. What we want to do is we just want to start thinking about whatever change we're trying to create. And maybe you guys could share an example of what is something that you guys are working on that you wish was more ideal? I can speak for myself. Do you have something? No, go ahead. That I am working on being more honest. Mm. And I, not that I lie, not that I pre- intend to deceive, but there's things that I hold back. Honesty as in like, I'm holding back because I'm afraid to say, I'm afraid to speak up. So being more honest and more true in that part of myself is what I think I'm working on right now. I too am working on that. Yeah. That is such a good one. Cause there's one thing to be able to communicate and say things. And then there's like what you actually feel inside, Mm -hmm. what you're actually thinking. And that within a communication, to be honest within a relationship, man, if you can do that, that's huge. So, okay. The ideal, what is the ideal experience of honesty within a relationship? Um, I think for me, it's speaking my truth with love. Mm, Yeah. What do you think, Monty? I think it's knowing absolutely what she is thinking and she knows what I'm thinking as far as we're on the same page or we understand each other. Being so honest, we know what the other would be thinking in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like nothing is held back. Even if it's uncomfortable to talk about, nothing is held back. Just very open. See, it's important for us to just like dig at least just a little step further into what does this ideal really mean? What does it mean to be honest? And what is your ideal version of that? Because who, what you really want and not just a head want. And this kind of goes back to just like, okay, there's what the world would tell me I should want. And then there's what like my heart says. And mm-hmm. I can tell that this is coming from the heart because it's, it's like when you say it, it's not just this 
flippant thing or this tip that you read on a blog. It's a lot of times these things that are our heart's yearnings are things that have been in our mind and our heart for a while, where it's just like, lately I've heard again and again, I just want to be honest. It would be nice if I could just be honest. It'd be great if I could just be in a relationship where I could, nothing is held back and we could be open. So that repetitive nagging of the heart, that's kind of what I would describe it as. That's a good sign that this is a inherent desire, an inherent ideal versus a worldly ideal. So once we have the ideal, the next step is A, which stands for amplify. Now, amplify is two parts. One part is how could I make this ideal like 10 times? What would make it like so amazing to experience? What does that actually look like? So if you could describe to me, what would an experience look like where you are completely and utterly honest and, and what would be the benefits of that? You're, you come home and what does honesty look like? Boy, I think about just letting it vomit all out. Uh, I know that sounds probably crazy, but yeah, with what I do for work, there's a lot of emotion and a lot of things that go through me and just letting it all out. Um, oh, wow whether it be good or bad or scary or not so scary. And then having that be taken well, I guess. I think that's one part of, it's hard to be honest, is sometimes things aren't taken well. To be able to fully say what I'm thinking and feeling and then have that taken, I guess, well. Meaning that there's no yeah, judgment. Yeah. And it's such a good thing to consider. So, Andalyn, from your perspective, it's like, okay, if you're receiving the gobbledygook of the work, because <laughs> being a lot... <laughs> In law enforcement, it's like, there's a lot there sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes heavy stuff. Yeah. And what does it mean? What is it like the ideal experience of that in terms of honesty? It's interesting. There was a time when I was like, just don't tell me some of that stuff. Like you can tell me the easy stuff, but don't tell me the ones where it's dealing with kids or don't tell me that because mm -hmm. it was too uncomfortable for me to handle. I think I've grown a lot since then and he can tell me things and I'm not like letting it affect me in a negative way. I feel like I really have grown a lot in that way. But um, there's sometimes like he, it's one thing for him to talk about work and things that happened at work with a coworker or on a call that he was on. But it's kind of another thing when he's giving me feedback about myself. When he's asking for me to be different so that things will work mm. better or so that maybe I'm being indulgent in some way. And he's like, listen, it's not okay for you to act that way. It's really easy for me to be quick to like, no, you're wrong. I'm fine. You don't tell me what mm -hmm. to do. But to really receive that feedback is like a big thing, especially in a marriage, to be able to self-reflect and say, well, am I acting in a way that I don't want to be? Or am I really acting in my truth and he doesn't like it? And can I be okay with it if he doesn't like it? Or is there a place where maybe I could change and improve myself? But doing that from a place of truth rather than a place of people pleasing. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because as I think about just the situation of Monty coming home and then you're there and it's like honesty could also look like, and then you saying, hey, right now, I don't know if I can receive this it's hard for me to hear this. Like that would be speaking your truth. Mm -hmm. That would be speaking what's in your heart. Just like, oh man, this is heavy. Yeah. Can, can we save this for later uh, when I can be more prepared kind of thing? That kind of conversation, is that the ideal? And sometimes what I think too is, and which is why it's so awesome that both of you are here together is so often we rarely talk with each other about what 
our shared ideal looks like. Mm -hmm. There's what Monty wants, then there's what I want. And so what do we really want here? Like, really? It's one thing to say, here's what I want. Here's what would be awesome. And then it's another thing to say, what do you really want? Like in your heart of hearts, what would be the desire? What would be the experience? You come home and you can share what's just weighing heavily on you. And then for Andalyn, for you to receive and to be able to say, wow, man, that's hard. I'm here. I'm present. Or it might be, I don't know if I can handle this right now. And then vice versa. He might say, I wish you could improve. Or you might say, I wish you could improve. And for you to be able to say, that's hard for me to hear right now. And I can watch myself and I can tell, I can tell you right now, I want to be defensive. That's what's true. (laughs) That's being honest. You know what I mean? It's like, honestly, you saying that kind of ticks me off. Mm Mm-hmm. Or at least that's how I feel right now. I might need to sit this one out and just like sit with this because I'm sure there might be some truth in there, but right now I'm not in the mood. Mm -hmm. Rather than turning it back on him and saying, no, you're wrong. You shouldn't say that to me. Just being like, this is hard for me to take. Give me a minute. Right. Let's talk about this at a later time when we can both collaborate rather than just fight with each other. As we're talking, I'm just thinking about my own relationship. I'm like, man, that would be ideal. That'd be nice. If I could just share that, I could be honest. I could give myself space. I could give them space. There could be mutual love and appreciation and an honoring of this space to be able to figure things out. And so needless to say, like all this conversation is doing, all that we're doing is we're just amplifying. We're just like figuring this, like, what does it really look like? And not just that, that's like step one. And and step two of it is once I have written out maybe what the ideal looks like in a very real tangible way, I want to be able to turn that into what I call gratitude ahead of time. And what this means is that I say to myself and get into a space where I can say, I'm so happy and grateful that this is my inherent self. This is my inherent marriage where I am honest. And I'm so happy and grateful. Uh, usually I start off with a statement that it's like that. I'm so happy and grateful that when I come home, I can easily talk to my wife about what's going on and she easily receives it with love. I'm so happy and grateful that when I don't feel heard, that I can talk about it. I'm so happy and grateful that when I am struggling, I can share what I really think about a situation. And we frame it and, and talk about it in that term because now all of a sudden, if I can really step into that and that is my true desire and true ideal, then I can feel grateful for it right now. And from that gratitude, I can move on to the next step of the process. Guidance, insight, intuition does not come from a place of stress, worry, shame, fear, doubt, all the unhelpful and negative emotions, what we call negative emotions. Where the insight, where the revelation is going to come from is from a place that's closer to the spirit, gratitude, love, patience, kindness, gentleness, faith. Mm-hmm. And so the whole purpose of the Amplify step is let's get clear and then let's create a gratitude statement so that I can feel gratitude now. And then I can move on to the next step, which is all about movement, which is all about what action do I take? And it can be as simple as just once you're in that place of gratitude, as though your future life is the ideal, just like imagine it, imagine your life where you can be honest like that. Once you're in that place where you can imagine that, Then you can ask the question, what is my next step? What is my action step? What is the next thing I am to do to be able to create that? And when you do that, man, now you've got at least just one thing. And it might just be one idea that you apply. In terms of the process, we've gone ideal and we amplify it. Then we ask the question, okay, what's my next step? What's the movement? That's the action. 
And then the fourth step is manifesto. Manifesto is your I am statement. It's about recognizing that what you really want is who you really are. And so even in this moment, if we were to take your example, you know, we'd probably go deeper into stuff, but can you think of an action that you would do that would help you guys be more honest? Like what would be the next step? What would you do to create that honesty? Something that we have done sort of lately is before we say the thing, we'll say something like, I'm trying to be more honest with you right now. We sort Mm. of set it up to say, okay, I'm going to say something right now. It might be hard for you to hear, but in the interest of honesty and intimacy in our relationship, I'm going to tell you this. And we kind of Mm. set it up and then sets the stage for the other to receive it and understand how important it is and understand that maybe it will be hard to hear, but it calms everybody down ahead of time. And then the person can receive it because it's been prepared ahead of time. Love it. See what we do with that. Let's say that was the action that you guys decided on. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to just apply that even more or be more intentional with it. Now that we have our action, our movement, we go into manifesto. We say, okay, we can take that one action and we can just turn it into an identity. And all we do is we just make it an I am statement. So Mm -hmm. something that comes off the top of my hand, it's like, I am a truth teller. When I want to say something, when I want to be honest, I tell my spouse, I'm going to say something honest. So the manifesto is both an I am statement paired with an action, paired with the action that you just created. So I am a truth teller, or it's like, I am an honest communicator. It sounds like lame or semantics, like, okay, so you're just saying I am behind something, but I'm telling you, the moment you make this an identity that this is who you are and this is what you do, your results go through the roof and you become more of that person. And this isn't just about creating a new habit. This is about becoming who you really are. This is about remembering the truth of who you've always been, but that you just keep forgetting. This is about a lifestyle. It's not a habit. This is like, no, this is like, this is who you are. Fundamentally, I am a truth teller. I am an honest communicator. What do honest communicators do? Well, what they do is they say, hey, I'm going to say something honest. And then they say their honest thing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I really okay. like that. The last step is evoke. And that is all about remembering. You creating a way for you to be able to remember and not just repeating the affirmation every morning or whatever saying, I am a truth teller. I'm a truth teller. That is the old way that is just like, let me just pound it in my head kind of way. Mm-hmm. The new way is just like, how can I just wake up to this or incorporate this identity into my life in a way that I can just remember it? Maybe it might be your phone. Maybe it might be a note on your door or on your mirror. Maybe there's something that you do, but it's not just about saying the thing. It's about feeling the truth of that statement. Mm-hmm. Because if we if we devoid that statement from a feeling and the truthfulness of it connecting to what you really want and it being who you really are, it doesn't work as well. So evoking is about bringing up the emotion, bringing up the spiritual truthfulness that this is who you really are. And when you do that, you're going to be so much better off in actually applying it. Mm-hmm. So. It'll actually work, not just be a thing that you say for two weeks and right. then forget about. Right. right. So yeah, it's really powerful. So that's the process for anybody interested. It's like on inherentidentity.com. It's like they can download the worksheet. And so it's like, okay, you guys can go there. You can learn about it. And it's awesome. Just a free resource for people to check it out. Mm-hmm. But but this has been something that's been really helpful for me and for those of my clients that have applied it. But that's it. I am me, guys. 
ideal, amplify, movement, manifesto, evoke. That's it. Sounds great. Pretty good. Pretty interesting and pretty easy to remember. Yeah. I like that a lot. We sure do appreciate you coming on our podcast today and, and talking with us and spreading some wisdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all yeah. really good stuff. Uh, maybe we could have you on in the future sometime. Yeah. Here's what would be awesome. I'd love it if if you guys apply this and then we should have a follow-up. You know, you apply this I am statement. It's like, oh man, what worked, what didn't work? Because maybe there's nuances and well, there are nuances. There's nuances within every process and framework and deeper learning. And so I think that as everyone applies, starting to just connect with their inherent identity, that's where a lot of movement and, and improvement can come. So I just appreciate being on here with you guys. It's been awesome. Yeah. We appreciate it too. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Bites podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the fun. Let us know what you took away from this episode by sending us an email at info at You can also see what we're up to on Facebook and Instagram at Andalyn Price Coaching. Or you can visit my website, andalynprice.com to learn more. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Okay. Um, all right. So here we have, uh, you're the first one we've interviewed. So we're kind of like new at this. We don't have like a thing that we say every time. Oh, good. So yeah, we don't need to have a thing we say every time.